During the nine days, we make a siyum, we uh, conclude a tractate to increase in joy, joy that's permissible and that's encouraged. When you finish something in the Torah, conclude, it gives you a tremendous simcha. So we're going to make a siyum today. Yesterday we made an saita, today we're going to make an mesechti yevamis. The reason why it's called Mesechta Yevamis, it should have been called, why not Chalitza, Mesechta Chalitza? Because the mitzvah first is to do a Yibam. That's the first option. First you should marry her. A Yavam is a leveret, it's called a leveret marriage. If a person is married and he dies childless, there's a mitzvah on his brother, surviving brother, to marry his wife, to continue his marriage, to continue his life, and to give him a child. He died, he died a childless. If the uh, brother refuses to marry the widow, then she takes off his shoe and she spits, and he, that the brother doesn't want, to, um, doesn't want to carry on the legacy of his brother, and uh, that's the Chalitza process. Um, all the commentaries wonder why does the order of Nashim, the order of women, start with Yivamis? <laughs> it, it should be the last tractate in the order. Yevamis is someone who's married, someone who has no children, and he has a surviving brother. And, and then the brother has obligated to Yivam. Why don't you first tell me that there's marriage, Kiddushin? Then <laughs> it's a rare case of a Yavam, no children. Why is this the first tractate in the order of Nashim? So the Taisvah says, because according to Taisvah, the last order of the previous tractate, you know, we follow the Taisvah. First the Taisvah speaks about, before the Taisvah speaks about damages, first the Taisvah speaks about uh, a woman, who's, who's, uh, who, uh, someone who caused a woman to, to, to miscarry, and you have to pay her. So first the Taisvah deals with women. But that comes right after the right after the order of times of Shabbos and Yom Tif. What's the last tractate in the order of times? According to Taisvus, the last tractate in the order of Mayid is Mayid Katan, which concludes about talks about death and mourning. So therefore, he starts with something that that seems negative. A person who dies childless, it's a negative thing. So therefore, he starts with Yavamis. But according to our order. The order of Mayid concludes with Hagiga. So why does he start with Yavama? So the Rambam says, because Yavama is a mitzvah, it's an obligation. Marriage, yes, it's a mitzvah to marry, it's a mitzvah to have children, but no one is going to beat you, no one's going to force you to get married. That's the Rambam's opinion. The Rosh, by the way, disagrees with the Rambam. The Rosh says, just like, just like you beat someone to death to put on to shake lulav and esrik to do a positive mitzvah, if a single Jew doesn't want to get married, there's no there's no games. The bezin would come and beat him up and say you're getting married. It's not an option. Being single is not an option. Period. It's a mitzvah. It's the first mitzvah. You have to get married. You have to have children. Um, but the Rambam disagrees, according to most opinions. So therefore, the Rambam, but a yavam, you force him to get married. A Yavam, you force him to get married, to marry the, the sister-in-law, to force the brother to marry the sister-in-law, to carry on his, his, the life of his brother, his deceased brother. So therefore he starts with this mitzvah. Others say that because the first mitzvah of Yavam starts out with the 15 women that 
if the wife is, uh, is a prohibited relationship to the surviving brother, there are 15 women who are allowed to marry the brother, the deceased brother, but it's not an option for the surviving brother to marry them because there are 15 illicit relationships and it could be that the wife who is permissible to the brother is not permissible to the brother who is deceased, is not permissible to the brother, the surviving brother. In that case, there's no mitzvah, you're not allowed to do a leveret marriage. And you don't need a chalitza. She's free to go. So therefore, he wants to start out with the women that elicit relationships. Which women you're allowed to marry? So he starts out with the 15 women that a person is not allowed to, allowed to marry. The Me'idi says something interesting. The Me'idi says that every order he starts out with the most difficult tractate. <laughs> you start out with the most difficult. <laughs> you know, you, you, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. So you, you know, you, you start out with the most difficult. Brachas. The Brachas, the most difficult tractate. Shabbos, the most difficult tractate in, 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 in the order of Mayat. So too, he starts out with the Yavamas, which is not only the most difficult tractate in the order of Nashim, it's one of the most difficult tractates in the Shas. We know there's Oni, there's three tractates which are very difficult, very difficult. Edevin, so that's a question, which one is more difficult, Edevin or Shabbos? You know, those who do Dafyemi, by the time you get to Edevin... <laughs> The class gets less and less and less. Edevin, Nida, and Yevamis. But either way. Some say the Nun is the Dharam. Some say the Nun is the Okay. So the conclusion of this tract it is of Yisach the Yevamis, Amr Abelazam Rabbechanina, Tamida Chacham and Marb Mashalom Ba'ilam, Torah scholars add peace to the world, Shanamar, it says, Rachol Banayah, the Mudi Hashem, it says in Yeshaya Navi, that that all your children are the students of Hashem, Limudi Hashem, and there's an abundance of peace to your sons. Hashem will give them an abundance of peace. And that's the conclusion of Yavamas. And this conclusion is found in four Masechtas. And um, in the Rimbrach, he says, Don't read Banayach, your children, but Banayach, your builders. And uh, that the Talmud Chacham, the Torah scholars, are not only the children of Hashem, but they're also, they're also the builders of the world, Bainayach. And the word that Aruch Alner points out, the, the, the word Bainayach, four letters, represents the four tractates which concludes with this, with this conclusion. Brachas, Beis, Nazir, Nun, Yud, Yevamas, and Chav, Krisis. In the order, in the order of the of the tractate, first comes brachas, then comes yavamas, then comes nazir, and then comes krisus. A different order than the order of the psukim, um, and that it's the extra word of banayich that teaches us that it's not banayich is not only your children, but your children. The Torah scholars are also banayich because it's an extra word. It should have just says the rav shleimam. We're talking about the children. All of your sons, limudi Hashem, are the students of Hashem. And he should have said, and there will be an abundance of goodness and peace to them. Why does he add the word It comes to teach us, that not only are Torah scholars, the children of Hashem, but they're also, they are, they are the builders of the world. They bring peace to the world. So why these four tractates? Obviously, there's a theme of peace that's more connected to these four tractates. And um, as the Rebbe explains, I'm not going to get into the great detail, that the Brachis is a tractate which brings peace, 
to uh, between Hashem and and us by making blessings all day, a hundred blessings a day. We're bringing Hashem into our life. We're weaving Hashem into the fabric of our life. You know, this world is disconnected from Hashem. Left to its own devices, this world is a big disconnect. There's a rift between Hashem and this world. By doing brachas, by davening and doing brachas and saying brachas, we become aware, we're conscious and aware of Hashem. We weave the awareness of Hashem into this world. We're making peace between Hashem and this world. There's no conflict. We see Hashem everywhere. We open our eyes and we see Hashem everywhere. The tractate Yavamas is peace, is about peace between man and man, between husband and wife. Here, the brother died childless. It's to bring peace between man and man. The, the husband died childless. And it's an obligation on the brother to carry on his brother's legacy. To make sure, to ensure that his brother has children that will carry on his legacy. And even when you do a chalitza, it's really also a tremendous peace for the neshama. The neshama of the one who died doesn't have peace. It's not at peace until you do, either you do a yibum, which is the ultimate peace. That he, marries, he marries his sister-in-law and he continues his brother's marriage. Carries on his brother's, continues his brother's marriage. Or if he doesn't want to do that, so even though he's spitting and he's taking off a shoe, and it's, 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 but nevertheless, it's a tremendous toiva, it's a tremendous uh, uh, soothing for the soul of the deceased, of the departed. Uh, the act, act of chalitza, the neshama doesn't have rest until you do this act of chalitza. So it's also, it's also an act of peace. And this connects with the last halacha that he just said. The last thing that we learned before that is that he says that biblically, when witnesses come and testify, whether they come to testify in matters that are capital, capital crimes, capital punishments, or whether they come to testify in financial matters, biblically you have to interrogate to make sure that they're telling the truth. But the rabbi said, when it comes to financial matters, we don't interrogate. Because otherwise, no one's going to want to lend any money. Who's going to want to lend any money? If I'm going to have to, if I'm going to, have to demand my $1,000 that I lend you when I come to court, and they're going to start interrogating and start to hacking me at China, you know what? Who, I don't need to bother. Go fly a kite, and I'm not, I'm not going to lend you a dime. And that will be the end of commerce. No one will be able to borrow money. People will need money. That will be the end. So to keep the peace, the rabbi said, the rabbi said, when it comes to financial matters, you just accept the testimony, you don't interrogate them. So we see that the rabbis add peace to the world. The rabbis want to make sure that human relationships flow smoothly. You need a little diplomacy. You can't be so strict and so like absolute and so uh, um, you know, uncompromising. When it comes to human relationships, you have to, you have to be a little <laughs> diplomatic, to be a little to add peace to the world. So the rabbis are the ones, even though the rabbis are the ones who are studying Torah, and Torah is absolute and it's truth, but Torah also brings peace to the world. They add peace to the world. They add, they smooth human relationships and they bring an abundance of peace to this world.